Welcome to Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Is your future so bright you have to wear shades? Or have you experienced a total eclipse of the heart? Join us for the message, The Gift That Keeps On Giving. Good morning and welcome to worship here at Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Is your future so bright you have to wear shades? <laughs> or have you experienced a total eclipse of the heart? Right. Well, join us for the message, The Gift That Keeps On Giving. Now we come to time of scripture reading. We have two scriptures today, one from Ezekiel in the Old Testament and one from Luke in the New Testament. Our Ezekiel reading comes from Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out of the spirit of the, of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There was very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, and suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to the bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath. Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. Then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves. O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. Our second reading comes from Luke 11, verses 9 through 13. So I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a, steak, a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We here in North Texas will experience a total solar eclipse. So for a few minutes, the moon will come directly between the earth and the sun in perfect alignment, 
so as to completely block the sun from our view. And all we're going to see is the sun's brilliant corona. The last total solar eclipse in North Texas that was visible here was in 1878. The next one to even come close to us won't be until 2045. And even then, you'll have to go to Oklahoma to see it. Oh, no. Oh, no. A partial eclipse is when the moon comes between the Earth and the sun, but only blocks out a portion of the sun. And we did have a partial eclipse visible from North Texas back in 2017. Now, how, how many of y'all saw that? Okay, several. Did you use the special glasses? Absolutely. Well, you must have used the special glasses because you would be blind now if you had not used them. Well, my siblings and I watched that together in my sister's backyard. And one thing about those special eclipse glasses that I discovered right off is that other than the sun, when you have them on, you cannot see anything else. And so I warned my sibs to get their feet in place and then put the glasses on because you're not going to want to, want to try and walk around with those glasses on. And back in 2017, I saw a news article warning people not to drive with their eclipse glasses on. <laughs> and I thought, how stupid can people be? And then I remembered that indeed, sometimes they can be very stupid from time to time. The sun is so brilliantly bright that it will burn out your retinas if you look at, a, look at it uh, directly without the special glasses for more than just a moment. The whole eclipse mania back in 2017 often had me humming, remember that old 80s song, The Future's So Bright I Gotta Wear Shades? And some of those lyrics, well, I'm heavenly blessed and worldly wise. Things are going great and they're only getting better. I'm doing all right, getting good grades. The future's so bright, I gotta wear shades. What a very optimistic outlook. Unfortunately, the future's so bright, I gotta wear shades was the only hit that the band Timbuk3 ever had. So evidently, their future wasn't quite so bright that they had to wear shades. Well, back in 2017, just about the time of that partial eclipse, there's a movie that came out by the name of All Saints. And it's based on the true story of All Saints Episcopal Church in rural Tennessee. And a new pastor had been appointed there by the bishop for the sole purpose of closing that church down and selling the land. Uh, All Saints uh, had accumulated over $800,000 in debt, and there was very little chance they were ever going to be able to pay it off. And on the pastor's first Sunday, there were exactly 12 people in attendance and that included the pastor, his wife, and his son. When the pastor pointed out to one rather resentful parishioner that his little church, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, one resentful parishioner of the hopelessness of the situation, the parishioner replied, Jesus had 12 people. he done all right, didn't he? Well, the remainder of the movie tells the inspiring story of how this little church came back from the brink. Now, Trinity is in much better shape than that little church was, but still the movie moved me deeply, and I could see the parallels uh, between not only All Saints uh, Episcopal, but other small churches as well. And the church also, or excuse me, the movie also reminded me of that passage from Ezekiel that Kathy just read. The prophet Ezekiel had this vision after he and some fellow Jews were exiled to Babylon. And the people had seen so many of their family members and their fellow Jews just slaughtered during the invasion, the Babylonian invasion. 
and they had seen fields strewn with the rotting bodies of the dead. In Babylon, though the remaining Jews were still physically alive, yet they felt as if they were, they were as good as dead. Their people had no future and they had no hope. So in the vision, Ezekiel saw these bodies grow sinew and flesh at the command of the Lord. And then the four winds representing the spirit of the Lord came and made these bodies breathe once more. And in Ezekiel's vision, the Lord was promising the exiled Jews that their lives were not over. And they would once again come to live and breathe as the free people of God. You know, the Lord is still promising that. To God's people. Even when we feel defeated, even when we feel hopeless, it made a difference to the people of all saints. It certainly has made a difference to us here at Trinity, and it makes a difference to people still today. Because as Jesus said, ask and it will be given you, search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So how can we receive then the gift of the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, as Christians, we already have the Spirit in our hearts. But the more we are open to the Spirit's presence, the more we'll be blessed by that presence. So then how can we receive then even more of the Holy Spirit or at least become more aware of the Holy Spirit's presence? I think first and foremost is just by asking God expectantly, just as Jesus recommends, ask and it shall be given you. There are indeed times when God's Spirit comes crashing into our lives, whether we've asked for it or not, I might add. Many of us know what it's like to occasionally have God grab us up by the scruff of the neck just to get our attention and just to get us back in the right path because we're about to fall off a cliff. Most of the time, however, God waits for an invitation. Most of the time, God chooses to respect our boundaries and our free will. If we want God to steer the boat, however, then we have to stop rowing against the current. We want so much to be the masters of our own fates And certainly mature people do seek to take responsibility for their own choices and their own actions. But there are times when we need to ask for help. And we we need to ask for what we need. And we need to ask that even of God. When we stop trying to always be in control, we'll leave room for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives in ways we may not have anticipated. One of my absolute favorite Bible verses is from the letter to the Ephesians. Now to the one who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To God be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. God is willing to do so much more than we ask or imagine. If we'll just get get out of God's way and get out of our own way. The second way we can experience more of the Holy Spirit is after we ask expectantly for the Holy Spirit, then we need to receive that Spirit with gratitude, thankfully. God doesn't always answer our prayers in the way we expect. The Holy Spirit doesn't always act in our lives the way we anticipate. 
And we often don't even recognize God's gift when it's sitting right in front of us. For example, at my last church, the leader of the Spanish worship service had been praying for some time for God to send him a good Christian woman that he could spend the rest of his life with. And then along came his future wife, pretty and just about a perfect match for him. But he resisted and doubted, almost rejecting the, God, uh, the gift that God had placed right there in front of him until our lay leader kind of kicked him in the butt and said, look what's right in front of you. This is what you've been praying for. I might add they're happily married now. When we ask for the presence of the Holy Spirit, we need to remain open to whatever form the Spirit might come to us. And we need to let go of any specific expectations that we have of the Spirit and release any rules that we expect the Spirit to follow, like the Spirit's going to follow our rules anyway. As one writer noted, the Spirit of God always works uniquely in our lives. Some people feel a new sense of closeness to Christ. Others sense a renewed desire to read Scripture or to pray. Others develop a greater responsiveness to suffering. Some claim victory over a bad habit or a release from an addiction. A number of people display an uncharacteristic boldness in standing up for truth and justice. Others experience a new freedom in worship and praise. Whatever it may be, the common factor comes in experiencing God, the Holy Spirit, in some way beyond what we had previously known. So finally, after asking expectantly for the Holy Spirit and receiving the Spirit thankfully, we must then respond by living lovingly. Our gift of the Spirit should always be received then as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Desiring the Holy Spirit outside of a life of disciplined discipleship is really just asking then for spiritual thrills. The Holy Spirit is given to us so that we can be more like Jesus, so that we can have more of that same mind that was in Christ. If we want to experience more of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, then we need to remember that we do not have a contract with God. Some people operate under the illusion that, and every once in a while I've been guilty of this as well, we get under this illusion that if we practice our religion correctly, i.e. we say the right prayers in the right way at the right time, or read a predetermined scripture every day, or punctually attending every single worship service, then we will experience the Spirit's presence. Now, don't get me wrong, I think practicing spiritual disciplines in worship and attending to the means of grace is vitally important to one's spiritual health and growth. But the benefit comes from the opening of our hearts and minds as we practice the disciplines rather than just following a prescription or a schedule or simply going through the motions. Also remember that experiencing more of the Holy Spirit comes with risks that we may not anticipate. It's not just about us feeling good spiritually. The more we live our lives seeped in the Holy Spirit, then the more the Holy Spirit will involve us in the lives of others and in the lives of the world. The Spirit gives us peace, but the Holy Spirit is also a disturber of the peace. The Holy Spirit ultimately calls us to be holy and then enables us to become holy through the process of sanctifying grace. Being holy means that we're set apart for God's good purposes. We grow into the body of Christ and we build up that kingdom of God 
In so doing, we get caught up then in the very life of God. And so this brings us back then to where we started at the beginning of this sermon series on the Holy Spirit. Over the last 10 weeks, we've been exploring the Holy Spirit, and now we've come to the last Sunday in this particular sermon series. And as we have progressed, we have continued to ask two main questions. Who is the Holy Spirit? And what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, the Holy Spirit is nothing less than the very presence of God, the very presence of God to us, the presence of God with us, right here, right now, and always. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God the Father and God the Son in our very midst. The Spirit is how God works in our individual lives and in the church as the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit is how God works in the unfolding of history until the kingdom of God shall come upon the earth. And so as we've talked about over these Sundays, the Holy Spirit does this by bringing us alive to and more aware of God's presence, by drawing us into a deeper shared life and community, by changing us internally until we possess the mind of Christ, by guiding us and discerning and implementing the will of God, by helping us to pray and to praying for us when we cannot pray for ourselves empowering us to be witnesses of God's love and Jesus Christ to a hurting world, and leading us as we go through the deserts of temptation, and then engaging us in the suffering of others. So the Holy Spirit then is a gift that just keeps on giving. Jesus said a lot of interesting things about the Holy Spirit, and I think perhaps the most intriguing one was when he was responding to one of the criticisms of the religious leaders. They were accusing Jesus of casting out demons with the power of Satan. And Jesus basically said that this was ridiculous and illogical. Why would Satan want to, drink, want to drive out the demons? If Jesus can drive out demons, then it must be by the power of the Spirit of God, not the power of Satan. And he goes on to say, Therefore I tell you, people will be forgiven for every sin and blasphemy, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come. Now, Christians have debated the exact meaning of these words for ages, but but here's what I think that it means. First of all, there's absolutely nothing that cannot be forgiven, no sin that cannot be redeemed, provided that that person has not completely closed off their heart to the Holy Spirit. As long as that person has some room in their heart for love to enter, then there is still hope. But if a person has made a free will choice to seal off their heart, then there's no place for forgiveness to enter. It's not that God would be unwilling to forgive, it's just that these persons refuse to receive that gift of forgiveness. As we've talked about last week, looking at some of the faces of the white supremacists in the Unite the Right march in Charlottesville, Virginia, five years ago, it seemed to me that they were not far from that place of no return. Yet I know of stories of people who have found their way out of hate and into the light of love, so I guess nothing is impossible with God. The question for us is whether our hearts will remain open to the Holy Spirit, and if so, Just how wide are we willing to open them? 
because the wider our hearts, the more we will love. And the more we will love, the more joy that we will know. Now to the one who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To God be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for generations now and forever. Amen. And so now receive this benediction. May the refining fire of the Holy Spirit warm your heart, illuminate your soul, and send you forth in love. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope today's service was a blessing to you. Join us every Sunday here on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. Join us again next Sunday when Trinity UMC's Minister of Worship, Reverend Dr. Garth Baker Fletcher, brings us the message. You can always access our services through our website, tumcd.org, our Facebook page, our YouTube channel, and our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. If you like what you're hearing, you can also support our ministry with your gift through our website, tumcd.org. God bless you in the week ahead, and we'll see you Sunday at Trinity United Methodist Church.